Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night. In this deep night of Colorado Springs, we are here sitting in the living room of the esteemed Gordon Gross. Gordon Gross, how are you doing, man? Doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, we're doing this at my kitchen table, so... If there's any noises, blame it on my cats because that's pretty much how this is gonna go. They love to talk. Those Ryan are those, is are, the cat those are talkers. I just want to throw that out there. My cats are basically just jumped on Ryan the second he got here and won't leave him alone. Well, so. I mean, you're welcome. Like, thank you. Right. I, I I am honored, of course. And <laughs> you know what they say about the cat whisperers in the family. Like, I, I don't actually know what they say. About oh, that, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Hey, we'll <laughs> leave probably, it at that. Probably some slander. I'm just we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, If you have any interest in advertising with Denver Stiff's podcast network, we have a variety of podcasts that will be playing every single day throughout the regular season. Reach out to us at denverstiffs at gmail.com for more details on that. We are definitely interested in linking up with some new advertisement people. Like We would would love to give you guys a shout out every single time we do this. Um, Training camp has been interesting. Uh, we're through three days of training camp. Uh, again, this is Thursday night. The Nuggets will practice on Friday and then again on Saturday before returning back to Denver and then heading on the road to go to Portland uh, for an October 8th contest against the Trailblazers. Uh, there have not been a lot of takeaways so far from training camp. It's been very standard, been very mellow. The one thing that I would say is that the small forward position, Gordon, is currently no closer to being solved than it was three days ago. Well, and it's it's been three days, but it's three days in which Barton has been limited to no contact drills. Um, and you've got <clears throat> Michael Porter Jr. getting his first, you know, real work of uh, of the preseason. They haven't seen him at all. And you've got Torrey Craig coming back um, after uh, his summer of improvement and Wancho after the the, the Spanish gold medal in FIBA. And so Wancho was probably a little limited. You know, they're not trying to stretch anybody out. So I didn't expect them to learn anything about who they're starting yet, but I do think it's going to be very interesting that it is a wide-open competition, but you're going to have to limit minutes and, and be careful who you're using based on who's available at small forward. I, I think it's interesting to have a fully open competition with no... Uh, without full participation. I think that's interesting. There have been a lot of different combinations that the Nuggets have used so far. The only one that they haven't really used is Will Barton. Uh, again, he's been sidelined. We learned today that it was a hamstring strain. Uh, that That's a little concerning given the, the body injuries that he's had in the past, given the groin injury that he had in the past. Well, that's my concern. My, my concern is 
that long leg muscles tend to be um, easily repetitively injured. Um, and so I, I do worry about um, the, the groin problem that he had last year. Um, this is a hamstring problem. It's a different set of muscles. But when you're compensating for one injury, you can injure another set of muscles. These are, these are the concerns that I have about, um, about Will's legs. But, uh, again, until last year, Will was remarkably healthy. So the question is whether it's a lingering issue, whether it's just a random tweak from a lot of working out. There's there's no way to really um, know that, and uh, the Nuggets are assuring us that it's not really related. Yeah, we we were so, told today that it was yeah. it was an unrelated injury to right. to the things that he has experienced before, and I believe them at that. Like it's sure. very possible that it was this was just a a very brief hamstring tweak. Uh, Leading up to in in one of the runs over the course of this this summer. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't see him at Red Rocks, but that's a good way to pull a hamstring is trying to yeah exactly to go like Red Rocks. Definitely, definitely could be an issue. But there are still a lot of other factors here, and the main purpose of this podcast is we are going to go through a variety of the different small forward. Uh, combinations that the Nuggets could be using to start the season. There are a lot of different uh, mitigating factors here. There's a lot of different personalities that the Nuggets have to manage. There's a lot of different skill sets that the Nuggets have to manage. So we're going to get into it. Uh, I want to start. We we won't talk about Barton starting yet. Uh, let's talk about Tory Craig. Uh, Tory Craig. He has been one of the major talks of training camp. A lot of people have decided that they wanted to uh, communicate with him a little bit on being a, being an open shooter, being a strong defender. He has apparently stood out so far in both of those regards. Uh, how do you think the Nuggets would benefit from starting Tory Craig? Well, I think Tory. the nice thing about Tory is that he doesn't need shots. Like you said, he'll be an open shooter. If right. they're kicking the ball out to him at three, he needs to shoot it and he needs to make it. Um, and they're saying that that he's been making a lot of those shots in practice, that his his form looks improved. Um, Torrey's a very um, capable defender, uh, but a lot of teams sagged off of him and, uh, defensively last year because he, when he was open, he either wouldn't shoot it or couldn't make it. Now, in the playoffs, that was different. Like late in the season, Torrey Craig started making that stuff. Yeah, and if he makes it, that changes the game for him. It really does, because then you're a three and D guy, and and three and D guys are some of the most valuable guys in the league, because all you do is make open threes and defend the crap out of the wing. Like that's is extremely helpful. Um, but the nice thing about Tory is that he's not out there looking for his shot. If Jamal's going to be shooting, and you've got you know, I mean, they need Jokic to take shots. He can't just take them all on offensive rebounds. Um, yeah. Gary Harris, they would like to shoot more. Yeah. Uh, at some point, you're you're gonna overstuff the lineup with guys who need to shoot the ball, and Torrey Craig doesn't need to. If he can, that's amazing and that's very helpful. But he doesn't need to, and that will be helpful for making sure that the rest of the guys who need to shoot have the ball. One of the things that our esteemed former colleague Adam Morris has re- has has listed in the past is that a guy like Will Barton adds a third ball handler to this lineup, in which case. Uh, 
he he says that that's a pretty important factor in creating one of the strongest offenses possible. I think I would push back on that a little bit. And I think a really good example is Malik Beasley. He's not really a ball handler either, but he just, he fills his role. He runs in transition. They, they get out as fast as they can and he hits his open shots. If you have a guy like Torrey Craig that can do that, that can, Play a little bit stronger defense, can help Jamal Murray switch off ball a little bit more. Doesn't necessarily need to play uh, against the guys guys like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry consistently, Kemba Walker. Uh, that's a really big benefit. And the Nuggets only have one guy like that in Gary Harris who can manage those. Right. But there are a lot of other pieces, I think, and a lot of other teams that have multiple guards and multiple wings, like Utah, for example, or Houston, that... If you start a guy like Will Barton, or if you start a guy like Michael Porter Jr., then you kind of lose that advantage, and that's a that's a side of the ball that the that fans don't really like appreciate as much, but I think could be really helpful in this case. Well, and you are looking at matchups, really, you are. The Nuggets are going to win fifty plus. If they don't, it's a travesty of a season, right? You know, the Nuggets should be competing for home court and should get it. And if they don't, that's a disappointment. If the, Nuggets, if the Nuggets got a five, to, got a five seed this year, that would be a disappointment. So knowing that the games you, that you need to win, like you should win all the games that you should win, like you should not go to Phoenix and lose. You know, you, you shouldn't be losing. You know, on your East Coast trip, even though it's East Coast and you're normally not good at that. But the games that you're going to need are going to be swing games. They're going to be head to heads against Utah. You know, there's games for playoff positioning, games for home court advantage. Right. Those are the games that you've got to, to pull out. Like, the difference between the the three seed and the six seed this year, I don't expect to be more than a couple of games. You know, three, four games are going to be a huge um, uh, swing in the standings. So you've got to be able to match up with guys. And from a starting perspective, it's nice if Denver can run Gary Harris and Torrey Craig out there to limit the wings of opposing teams, especially the way that the opposing wings play in the West. You want Agreed. to hold them down. You can try to score with them. I mean, that's that's Denver's other option is to put out the best scoring lineup in the world and, and try to outscore people 125 to 120. Like, th- that can be doable. Um, but if, if you have a good defender, if Torrey Craig is a good defender, and we believe that he is, then you're looking at how can you best deploy him. And that's not usually off the bench against other bench players. That's not usually how you would want a defensive player to be deployed. Um, to maximize his capabilities. One of the reasons why I think the Will Barton in the starting lineup conversation has grown just a little bit overrated in terms of offensive boost is the fact that the Nuggets tend to settle for a lot of poor shots when you have a guy who will will get in and into the floater range and decide, hey, that's the best shot for me. That's the best shot for the offense at this current point. Like nine seconds on the shot clock, I think oh, I'm going to throw up the 10-footer. The or you have a guy who's going to take a pull-up three as opposed to a guy who's going to work the ball around to Nikola Jokic, and maybe he gets a backdoor pass in there on occasion. It, to me, I think, I think the math bears out that the Nuggets want the ball in the hands of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic as much as possible. And by when they taking- want to work the clock, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea for the Nuggets, and the, the way that it worked last year— you know, you don't take a lot of early shots. Like, you know, the the way that the Rockets worked was you shoot it no matter what's on the clock, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that's – D'Antoni likes that. And seven seconds or less basketball is, you know, a fascinating way to play. But 
the Nuggets were a methodical team. They weren't a huge pace team. You know, the Nuggets worked the clock. Um, and you can do that when you have guys that trust each other and when you're working for the right shot. The Nuggets are a ball movement team that they, they pass the ball. Um, you don't necessarily pass it a lot. Like you can have Nikola Jokic just waiting while guys run around, but they're a movement and passing team rather than an ISO team, rather than a quick shot team or a transition three team. They're not those guys. There are definitely cases where I think the Nuggets need a guy like Barton who's more comfortable moving off ball and taking shots on the move right. rather than just a guy like Craig who I think he's take, he's talked about taking a lot of stationary shots, about hitting the shot in the corner, etc. Uh I'm not sure how that's going to work in this case and and whether the Nuggets are comfortable letting a guy like Craig continue to work off ball. Um are do do you think that they would be they would be in a in a position where they would let Craig run off of screens a little bit? Um only if he's going for the bucket, I would think. Yeah. Like that's that's a screen to get to the hoop. I just I can't see that working out for um, I just don't. I haven't seen that in the skill set. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, but really, that's what you're trying to figure out: is what best way can you deploy people, and who should be playing with Jokic, and who should be playing with Morris. That's that's a that's a good point too, and I, I definitely feel like a guy like Morris hits the perimeter guys a little bit more than a guy like Murray, a guy like Jokic. He likes to hit the cutters. He he will hit the perimeter and he will hit the stationary guys. But when you talk about Morris, I think that he's hitting. He has a lot of different plethora of passes that he can hit while he's on the move, while he's dribbling. Uh, there there are different skill sets that the small forward needs to have in each of those lineups and and while somebody like Craig talked today about how it's it's a little bit different uh receiving a pass from Morris than it is from from Jokic and in those sets but but not different enough that he thinks it matters i actually do think it matters uh i think that a guy like Craig would fit a little bit better with Jokic and that he just needs to finish the play rather than a guy like Morris where he tries to pass the ball ahead and then there might be something else that he has to do. Well, I like I like multiple creators with Morris. I do. I he he played off ball in the G League, he played on ball with the Nuggets. He can do both. And so if you have Will Barton out there um getting his own hoops and and going to drive to the basket, I don't I don't think that that hampers Morris. But the problem is, is that Jokic makes everyone better. So really everyone plays better with Jokic. Um, that's pretty much played out. So it's really a matter of who can survive without Jokic. And Will Barton can survive without Jokic. He was, you know, a six-man of the year he's candidate. He's proven it in the past. Yeah, that he, he, can he, do that. he plays off the bench. He doesn't need Jokic necessarily. So those are the things where you're you're trying to figure out how you can best get the most out of the bench lineup. The bench really, really hurt Denver in the in the playoffs. And so, you know, my concern is making sure that, that the bench has enough firepower and enough, I guess, stamina to uh, to to carry them in the regular season because you're going to need load management for Paul Millsap. You're going to need some other stuff. So um, I would like the bench to be its own functional independent unit and not rely on um, the starters so much. Or you can run a, a Millsap... Jokic, 48 minutes, one of them's on the court all the time, and then make sure that you always have a, you know, a starting all-star, you know, big man on the court to make sure that things are going right. 
The Nuggets have options. That's really Malone's problem is that he has a lot of options. He's not limited. Perhaps too many options, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a product of of drafting well, of bringing in great guys, and and trading for guys, and finding great deals like they did for Jeremy Grant. Yep. If they hadn't acquired Jeremy Grant, then I think a lot of this discussion is mitigated, and they decide, hey, okay, we're just going to play Wancho or Michael Porter Jr. at the four a little bit right. more, as opposed to just the three. As it stands, that's not really something that they have the ability to do because Jeremy Grant is a really talented player. Jeremy is getting 30-plus minutes a game. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that to me feels very aggressive, uh, especially if he's coming off the bench. However, I, I can see it happening, especially if he plays 34 minutes a game when, when Millsap is not – like, when he's sitting. Well, again, Jeremy Grant got – what did he get last year? 33 minutes a game? Yeah, but but he was the only power forward on that team. Right, but he was also good in those minutes. So how are you going to tell a guy who's about to be a free agent, hey man, hang on, I'm going to play you 25 minutes a game, don't stress. Uh, you're not. Like, you're not going to tell him that. I don't know. I, I'm... He he's talked about being... Like, he's a team first guy. He's a lot like Gary Harris where he's going to he's gonna play the role that he is told to play. He's always been a team first guy. Jeremy Grant's and he understands the NBA better than most young players. Yeah. Having had, you yeah. know, a bunch of relatives come do the NBA, he knows the deal. He also played on the process Sixers, so he knows that it could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh this, so, this is a good this is a good situation. Yeah. Uh okay, let's take a quick break and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Barton specifically and then we'll get into Porter and Wancho and and say how those guys are doing. Uh, within this competition. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers. I'm with Gordon Gross here, sitting in Gordon's kitchen, doing a grand old time. Um, Let's talk about Will Barton because he hasn't really played a lot yet uh, in this training camp. He's, he's progressed a little bit beyond just doing non-contact stuff. He did a little bit more contact today in day three of training camp. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how he progresses and whether he does a little bit more in day four or if he does a little bit of the same or if there are some setbacks. Uh, we don't know any of the details, but I want to talk about Barton. How much of this job do you think he should like feel like he has a rightful claim for because he was paid to be the starter and that's that was the role that they wanted to give him and then the only reason that they were really taken out of it was because he struggled in the playoffs after an injury. Well, I think Barton's getting a raw deal and it's not his fault. It's nobody's fault. But he worked really hard to be the starter. And he came back with the idea that he was the starter. And then he got injured for the first time in his career in this kind of way. And that really hurts, man. Like that, when you lose your spot, not because of ineffectiveness, but because of injury, 
and then you're not guaranteed your spot on the way back. And the Nuggets have drafted, you know, a guy for your position who might be replacing you on the cheap. That's tough. Like, that's that's tough. Um, now, Barton concedes nothing to anyone. Um, I'm not worried about his mentality about it. I'm not worried about him uh, being upset about it. Um, Barton's just a worker. Like, nobody works harder than Will Barton. Um, so if he can, you know, as soon as he can get back from his injury, he will. Right. As soon as he can um, compete for that starting job, he's going to. And I'm sure he believes he deserves it. Um, he's the veteran, you know, old head among all of the wing players. You know, the only guy on the team really with more experience would be um, Paul Millsap. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's way up there in terms of, right, in terms right, of again, NBA age. Yeah, Millsap, for sure. Millsap for an old guy is, you know, he's definitely out there beyond. But... I don't the, the the problem that Will's going to have is that his role is extremely dependent on everyone else um, he's not in a vacuum and he, it doesn't matter whether he's the fourth best player on the team and deserves to be the starter uh, how you can compete in the role that is given to you is going to be more important for this team you know uh, same thing is going to go for Wancho can you hit open threes if you can you're going to get minutes if you brick them you're not going to get minutes like, that's, that's pretty easy. Like, you need to be able to fill the role that you're going to have on the team because the team is just too talented. And if you can't fill that role, someone else can, even if they're less talented than you. Totally agree. Um, as you said, he's getting a little bit of a raw deal here just because there are so many options. There, there's a reason why this competition takes up an entire podcast worth of time to really, to really dissect. Like, there are so many moving parts here. The Michael Porter Jr. factor is so bizarre. Uh, given like he's, this is a situation that most 54 win teams do not have to deal with. Right. Uh, normally in this situation, it would just be Barton versus Craig. This, this situation is actually what would have happened in Detroit if the Pistons had drafted Mello instead of Darko. I was, I was actually just <laughs> thinking that. But that's, that's what um, the situation is. Is yeah. how do you fit a Mello into your team when you just, you know, were a tremendous, you know, finals caliber team? How do you then incorporate one of the great potential rookies of, you know, the last few years or his generation? How do you make that happen? It's going to be interesting. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. And, and I think that anybody else that says that they know what's going, what's going on and is probably lying to you. Like there, there are certain things that the Nuggets may be telling other people. But the Nuggets themselves do not know for sure how this is going to go because they haven't seen these guys play yet in the preseason. So much of this is going to continue to go on, is going to be decided by who plays well with what unit, what what player is Malone most comfortable with putting into that position. There is something to be said that, hey, Will Barton was the guy that we started with last year. Maybe we should just run with that because we thought it was a good idea and the only thing that took it away was an injury. Well, and the other thing that you run into is experience will matter. Like, you know, yeah, Wancho hasn't played 82 games worth of, you know, consistent minutes. Um, Michael Porter Jr. definitely hasn't. And right. he's barely played since high school. You know, Torrey Craig has been a, um, a spot player. Now he got, he's been playing a long time. So in terms of veteran, um, experience. He has a lot of professional basketball experience, you know. Yeah. Um, but all these guys have different experience levels. 
Will Barton is the guy who's been able to do everything. Will Barton has carried starter minutes off the bench. Will Barton has started. You know, Will Barton has been the lead point guard off the bench. He's been the wing off the bench. He's played small forward. As far as versatility goes, Barton is the most versatile. Experientially. That's, he, he knows how to do multiple things for you and how to fit in with what you require of him. So it's just a matter of whether or not he's healthy. There are some things that I think Will Barton definitely... <laughs> we're having a... We're definitely having a a cat fiasco over here. Uh, that was really funny. Uh, Will Barton, he... He has a lot of pride. He has a lot of confidence in himself. And I think that the the benching in the playoffs really hit him hard. Uh, from the read on the situation, I don't know how he would deal with being benched at this point uh, in, in the competition, whether it, whether it's health-related or not. I don't know what that does about his psyche. And you, you, you never know what happens. Like, if they give the job to Craig, then you know that they're still going to want to play Porter behind him, Wancho behind him at times. How do you think he would react to, like, being the being going back to a bench role, even if it may be the best thing for him? Well, I don't think he would mind the bench roll. Um, bench roll with starter minutes, you can explain. Um, would he get that? That's the question. And I don't know how they get him. I'm still curious how they get him 30 minutes a game with Beasley needing minutes <coughs> and Wancho needing minutes. Right. Um, and having to find some time for Michael Porter Jr. You've got to get him on the court. Like, he's not going to knock off that rookie rust without some some serious experience time. Like I don't think you can you can necessarily start him expecting him to play a bunch of games, but you know, Michael Porter Jr. is going to be on some sort of no back-to-backs, no longer than 20 minutes a game. I expect them to, you know, Joel Embiid this for him. Um but you could start him for that time and make sure he's playing with Wancho or with uh with Jokic. Let's look up Joel Embiid. We were actually talking about this earlier. So Joel Embiid averaged 25 minutes per game when he came back, though he only played 31 games in his technically rookie year. It was actually his third year after after sitting the first two with right. a major foot injury, some back injury stuff. Uh, I would be shocked if Porter played 25 minutes per game. Uh, well, that, that, it's a different the game than the Sixers. Like the Nuggets, the Nuggets are trying to protect Michael Porter Jr. and make sure he's healthy and get him his activity. But man, I they're so deep. Like you know, the Sixers had nothing, very little at the time yeah. that would stop Embiid from getting as many minutes as they wanted him to get. I I think we could probably rule out. Actually, you know, we'll 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 table that for the third segment. Um, let's talk about. Barton again specifically. Uh, we've talked about the benefits of him starting. We've talked about like some of the possibilities of him coming off the bench. As you said, Monte Morris could definitely use another ball handler there. A lot of that, uh, a lot of that second unit offense kind of devolved into Mason Plumley with his back to the basket and then kicking out to to shooters on the perimeter and hoping something happened. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to have a guy like Barton again who could break down the defense, a especially. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and while Beasley would would potentially be also solid for that role, he's at least more of a a three point shooter who can do those things. While Barton is a slasher who can shoot. Right. Uh, they they have enough contrasting skill sets there that I think they could work together. Uh, let me ask you this: 
Uh, where does Wancho fit into this right now? Like, if if all of these guys are like playing, are they are they healthy? We want you need Porter to get minutes. Uh, is Wancho happy? Like, is he is he wanting to fill that? Like, does, I'm sure he wants to play. I'm sure there's there's a part of him that always is going to be unhappy with not playing. But of all of the guys on the roster, I think he would be the most content with not playing at this point. I he's a free agent, man. Like, you're trying to get paid. Like, yeah. it, this is the year you get paid. And Wancho has had two years of. Um, being unable to perform at the level he expects of himself. Um, I think he want, he's dying to get on the court and show it off. He has a gold medal. You know, he's ready to go. He's healthy. He's um, got his shot. Um, why not play? Like, someone else is going to have to show more than him. And he is one of the guys who's always been in the gym. He's always been in the gym longest. He takes the most shots. He works the hardest on his game. He goes and shoots after games if he doesn't like his performance during the game. He he wants to be great. Um, the Nuggets are lucky that they have so many young guys who want to be great. Honestly, yeah, they've they've definitely had that major benefit for sure. Uh, let's go to a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about Porter a little bit more, and I want to predict how this is going to go, what who we think is going to start in the first preseason game, and then who we think is going to start and be the backup on opening night. We will be right back. We're back. Nuggets numbers here with Gordon Gross. Uh, had some cat fiascos. Had to really get through this podcast. Gordon's feeling a little sick at the moment, but we are making it work. Nothing stops us at stiffs. <laughs> yeah, except except pretty much everything. But we, we won't talk about that. Uh, we're, we're doing great here. Uh, let's, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. Because he is a complete enigma at this point. Until you see him play on the court, everybody... Sees the highlights. Everybody sees how he's working with Jokic and and Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap. And like, oh, man, he's going to start. Everybody's super happy about that. Uh, The message around training camp so far is that while he is extremely talented and everybody kind of sees that, he's also like a baby deer who can't really control his limbs and doesn't really know where to go. Well, the thing with with, uh, MPJ really – the only reason that anyone's talking about him being a starter is because he's supremely talented. Like, he hasn't played competitive, real basketball where guys play defense, you know, in a scheme, in front of people, in almost three years. Like, it's it, we're working on a long time here. <laughs> like it's, it's, in, it's insane that, like, we're getting to this point. That, like, okay, you're actually really throwing your name into the competition because you're really damn good. He's amazing. He's got amazing talent. Um, but he's going to have deficiencies in recognizing defensive plays. You know, it's not like uh, defense is a huge emphasis in high school. Yeah. Or on the or on the um, the AAU circuit or like these aren't things that happen. So he will he will not necessarily be in the right position. He will not necessarily be watching the right thing. That that's true of all rookies, uh, but especially rookies that haven't played in a couple years. Uh, so I can understand why you don't necessarily want to throw him out there against the best small forwards in the league. 
you know, as a starter, expecting him to be able to play on and off ball defense at an NBA level immediately. The advantages that we talked about with Torrey Craig being able to defend the opposing team's best player. Right. That's something that completely goes out the window with Michael Porter Jr. on the court. Like he immediately becomes the guy that you really have to uh, work around, like like baby a little bit in, in some terms. Like he certainly has the talent to be a great defender, but when you when you don't play, it's it's just very hard. As as somebody who has been in those positions where, okay, I haven't like I used to play baseball and and was a, a decent baseball player and I once took a a year long sabbatical and when I tried picking up a bat and hitting a baseball again it took me forever to like be able to make decent contact and that's just something like it's it's muscle memory that he hasn't yet developed yet and and you haven't you just haven't seen it yet because and as a rookie like you wouldn't see it but even as like especially for him he hasn't seen it for as you said 3 years yeah, two, it, 2 years plus it's the the thing with Michael Porter Jr his length will let him play back on defense yeah. He is just bigger than 95% of the small forwards in the league. He's talked about his length, too. And, and the, the, the coaching staff has really emphasized to him, okay, hey, you're really fucking big. Use that. That's a big deal. You do, Well, you don't have to get right up on a guy. Like, if you need to challenge somebody's three-point shot, you'll be there in two steps. Right. Like, that's not a problem for you, as it would be for, um, honestly, somebody like Will Barton, who is smaller than most of the small forwards in the league. You know, he's got to work a little harder to stay with his man because if he gets too far back, the guy has a clear shot. However, there is there is a negative uh, detriment to that in that when you have somebody sit back like that, become a little bit more relaxed. You don't necessarily like play at the speed that you should necessarily. Right. Like a guy like Rudy Gobert, he has the capability to be able to play faster. Uh, but when you have him play back and you have people have to get into a seven foot seven frame or whatever it is, that's like that. It's, it's the end game for centers and point guards that are trying to drive into a guy like that. But Michael Porter Jr. doesn't necessarily have that benefit because he doesn't see the game at the speed that Rudy Gobert does yet. Right. And that's, that's really what I, why I expect, um, Michael not to start is the speed of the game is different and he hasn't seen it. And you're going to want him to adjust. And the easier way to adjust is to pick his spots, to pick who he's playing against, to make sure he gets his minutes in the way you want him to get them. Right. You know, you have a lot of games to win this year. Your job is not um, like the Sixers job was with Embiid, just get Embiid ready for three years from now. Like that was their gig, was to make sure that he was ready. The gig with Michael Porter, with, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is not, a you know, right out of the gate. Make sure that you're doing the best thing for Michael. The thing is to make sure that you're doing the best thing for the team. And so if you can make both of those happen together, then you do. But the way that you do that normally would be to let Michael get limited minutes off the bench and force your hand if he's really that good. Not to mention, I think there's a certain respect factor that you get for for guys like Torrey Craig that, that, that have really worked for whatever they've They've had to get to. Right. He he tries his ass off on defense. He's gone through every drill. He's been to every practice and and fights for these guys. He had a great playoffs. Uh, Will Barton. He's he's been with this team for several years now and has has really put in the time. I think it would send a pretty tough message to a lot of the other guys that hey this guy's really talented and we're gonna put his needs over the team even though we know he's a little bit worse right now uh, and doesn't necessarily facilitate great team play. Well, and I, I just I don't see it happening. Like the Nuggets are too much about team for them to put Michael 
um, and his individual stats over that. And I don't, I don't think from everything Michael says, he doesn't want that either. Yeah, and no, and Michael doesn't want that kind of pressure to be uh, to be forced on him or to have him be treated specially. Michael wants a chance to contribute to the team. The team wants Michael to contribute. I expect both things to happen, but I do not expect him to get 2,000, 2,500 minutes this year. You know, yeah, as a starter or in starter minutes, I don't see it happening. I think there's there's definitely a way for him to get that in a few years. Yep. Uh, but it's definitely not this year, as you said. Uh, okay, let's let's round into form here. Let's let's make some predictions. Uh, preseason's right around the corner. The Nuggets play on October eighth, as we talked about earlier this podcast. That is in gosh, what day is it? Is it the third? Yeah. It's it's now five days away from now. It'll be four days away from when most people listen to this podcast. Who do you think will start the first preseason game? At small forward, I still expect it to be Torrey Craig. Yeah. Um, he put in the work. Um, he was, you know, a starting small forward last year. Why not, um, why not Will Barton? I, I expect it not to be Will just because of injury. I don't even think that Will's going to play in that game, personally. Okay. Uh, if you're trying to make sure that he doesn't have a hamstring tweak that carries into the real season, then you don't, you're baby in him as far as going with NBA explosion. You know, you don't want him, you know, running, leaping, sprinting. You're, you're managing that, that injury, uh, more than that. So I don't, I don't expect to see him in Portland. And it lets them honestly go ahead and do things like get Michael Porter some real minutes on the court and see how Wancho plays with a certain unit. Like it, it gives you the opportunity to see these other guys because you know what Will brings. Who do you, I, I, I agree with you. I think that Tory Craig definitely makes sense in that regard. I think he's the, the rightful choice if Will, especially if Will Barton is, is injured. Who do you think is the first uh, small forward off the bench. I still expect it to be Michael Porter Jr. Wow, I do. Okay, I I still think that that Michael is going to get on the court and that they're going to want him to get it out of the way early rather than wait. I don't expect them to keep him waiting and for Malone to sell me after the game. Oops, we forgot in the heat of the moment to get Michael some game time. They want him to get on the court early and get those jitters out early. You don't want those jitters in game two of the regular season. You want him to get out there. Go see an opposing crowd, you know, go go play some live basketball uh, in an NBA arena in front of some television cameras. Let's do this thing. So I, I think, expected me like Michael. I think my hot take is for that game. I think that Jeremy Grant is going to start at power forward and Paul Millsap is going to rest as well. That's possible, yeah. And then they play Wancho and Michael Porter Jr. together off the bench. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, if you want to see how that lineup works anyway. Right. Like, that, you, that could be a, a big potential future lineup. Well, and the stretch lineup of uh, Michael Porter Jr. at the three and Wancho at the four with you spacing the court with those guys, especially if you throw Beasley at the two, you know, and then you've got Monte Morris. All of a sudden, you you have as much four spacing as you'll ever need. Like, all of those guys can shoot the lights out of the ball. So that would be very, very interesting to me. And I'm sure that they want to see how that works as far as a shooting big lineup off the bench. The Nuggets have already talked about they're only going to play Jokic for two games, maybe three, but right. definitely not four for the preseason. It's very possible that they don't play him for this upcoming game, but I would I would definitely expect it. And I, I would, would ex- do I expect it. I would expect the Nuggets to want to see guys like Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. with Nikola Jokic in those minutes because they have data on the other players. I it would it would it would not make sense to have repeat data in this case. Well, it's it, it's a you only have a few games. You have a few preseason games in order to see some alternate lineups that you haven't necessarily been able to see in live game time. 
So this is the game that it makes sense to do that. I expect Jokic to start the first game. I expect Jokic to play the last game. And they'll pick one of the other games to go ahead and, and get him into. Yeah. Um, but that way you're you're warmed up for the season with game four. You're, you know, with your final expected lineups. So you can do a trial run, you know. Uh, but in the middle there, like, you're going to have a lot of experimentation in the next three preseason games just to see what you have, just to see who should play with who, um, who looks good, who who can get some some rust knocked off. Um, you know, they may wind up wrestling Wancho one of those games. I mean, he had a big summer. They probably should. Uh, he he played be. a lot of basketball, and so they may wind up giving Wancho a game off too. They might um, wind up giving Porter a game off, in yeah. which case that you don't necessarily have to worry about playing one of those guys or the other. You just know, hey, you're getting a game off for today. Right. Um, I still expect that to be game one. Yeah, that's that's very possible. Um, okay, here's the big ticket item. Who do you think starts against Portland again on October 23rd when they open the season in the Rose Garden? I still think it's Torrey Craig. Um, I Hamstrings are tricky. And yes, Will Barton may be 100% good to go in two weeks. Um, but as far as starting, I, I expect Torrey Craig to get the nod. I don't know that he'll keep it. But I expect on game one of the regular season for Torrey Craig to be the starting small forward. Wow. Yeah, it would be – I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big transition away from a guy like Barton. And I, I honestly think that you could lose a guy like Barton in that case where he's going to have pressure in front of him and behind him to to try and get back on the court. And, and whether he pushes it too early or he – isn't isn't he's told he's not guaranteed a starting spot anymore and and he really has to fight for those minutes i i think there's a lot here that nuggets fans aren't like fully appreciating that could cause some some potential issues down the line uh i don't i don't, I don't for me for me personally i don't i don't think will is afraid of a challenge um and if the challenge is pull my starting position back from tory craig i'm sure will feels like he's totally up for that um, <clears throat> he's going to want to be healthy to do it, right? You know, but uh, I don't. I don't think that Will fears anything. Um, I really don't. And he is. He has lived his life in a very fearless manner. He plays on the court in a very fearless manner. He's not afraid of big shots. He's not afraid of game enders. Um, for better or worse, he's not afraid to put the ball on his shoulders. Right. Sometimes you wish he had a little more fear. <laughs> you know, but it's who he is, and that's what you love about Will. So no, I I'm not worried that you're going to lose Will if uh, if he doesn't get start game one of the season. Um, if it gets to game 30 and he's not getting minutes, then we'll talk. But I, I don't think if, if Will is healthy, he's too good a player to get spot minutes. So there will be some pressure on the Nuggets to make sure that some things shift. There just will be. Okay. Assuming everybody's healthy then. Um, and for the record, I also think that Torrey Craig is going to start. I think that that just that just makes the most sense for it's what the, the Nuggets fit. for what the Nuggets are trying to do yeah. right now. I think I think it makes the most sense. Um, who's the first guy off the bench? Everybody's healthy. Well, if Will's not starting, then Will's the first guy off the bench. Okay, because Jokic is going to be playing probably the whole first quarter. Pretty so, close to it, yeah. So you don't need Monte Morris on the court then because you're going to have Jamal Murray playing a lot of the first quarter too. Yeah. So first guy off the bench would be uh, Torrey Craig would get six minutes or whatever, come off the be- come off the starting court, and you put Will Barton out. So first guy off the bench is Will. Second guy off the bench is probably Monte, and then third would be Malik. Jer- Jeremy Grant. Uh, well, uh, you know what? Jeremy might actually be first guy off the bench if you do what I thought you were going to do with Paul Millsap. 
and only start him for four minutes and then sit him. So then it would be Jeremy Grant. But it, uh, I'm still not sure that they're going to start Paul Millsap. So <laughs> let's, let's, that's, a different, that's a different podcast. That's, that is a different conversation entirely. One that I actually I kind of agree with. I think that there's definitely some logic there. Uh, I, I, gosh, man, it is just such a difficult conversation to have. Like, Porter is such a talented player that they want to throw out there, that they want to figure out ways to, to maybe maneuver. Maybe it's possible that they go with an 11 man rotation. I think they will. I, and I know that people hate that, but I fully expect that, that the Nuggets just have too many guys to squeeze in 10. Um, they may only do 10 in a game, but you're gonna have, you're gonna have guys sitting. You're gonna be, you're gonna be sitting guys and other guys will get, Full 15 minute shots in the next game. There's the way that the Nuggets work the rotation this year is going to be really interesting where you sit one night, you play 20 minutes the next night. Guys don't always like that. Guys like, like to know their roles. They like to know I'm getting on the court today. I'm getting on the court tomorrow. I'm going to be off the bench at minute five. Like it, that's comforting. And I think that guys are going to have to stay flexible because there's just so many options and so many different ways a game can go. And we have to also acknowledge that guys could get hurt. Yeah. Uh, Will Barton already did. The Nuggets uh, are not known as the healthiest team in the league. No, they are not. They, they've um, been uh, top five in player games missed for a few seasons now. So Yeah, so if it's if it's Torrey Craig that gets hurt, then Will Barton probably starts and Michael Porter Jr. then slides into a backup role. Right. Or, or if it's Jeremy Grant that gets hurt, then you play... Uh, Porter and Barton together off the bench. If Gary Harris gets hurt, then, you know, you can shift Barton to the two. You know, uh, these are all things that that make it... uh, There's flexibility in the Nuggets lineup to do anything, really. Like, they can cover pretty much anything um, as long as nothing happens to he who shall not be named because I'm not going to jinx it. Correct. Like, literally, you can cover anything else. Sir Thickness? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Gordon, you've been amazing. That's going to do it for Nuggets Numbers in this episode. We will be back with a Denver Stiffs show on Saturday in all likelihood. That's when Nuggets Training Camp will finish up. We'll have a couple of new visitors on that day specifically. Uh, We're going to see where this leads and whether we get any new information between now and then. Until then, Nuggets fans, we will see you in a couple days. Mm